You're listening to the Word of Life AG podcast. We're so excited you've come to get caught up on this week's message. We were honored to have guest speaker Dan McLaughlin bring us the word this week with a message titled, The Tithe. Let's get right into it. Well, good morning. It is great to be with you here this morning and uh, to share the Word of God with you. Always great to be uh, here at Word of Life. Uh, how, many of you, how many of you remember your first job? Anybody remember your first job? Um, my, my, first, my first real job, right? I used to cut grass and make money in the neighborhood, but my first real job, and I first got my first real paycheck, I worked at the International House of Pancakes, as a, I started off as a host and then a busboy and then eventually worked my way up to be a waiter. And uh, I, I had to work there. My, my, my parents did not want me to work anywhere that sold alcohol. So there were two choices, Friendly's and IHOP. That was it. And uh, so I worked at IHOP. And uh, uh, I remember, I remember uh, what was so great about it is, is you didn't get a big paycheck, right? I mean, as waiters, you know, waiters and waitresses, you don't get a big paycheck. I think I got like $13 a week in my paycheck. But you got to make all of your money in tips, and so you get to bring that cash home, and I got to count it one bill at a time. And I remember just being able to hold it in my hands and say, I earned this. I have the smell of money. Of course, granted, money at that point in time smelled like pancake syrup to me. Um, but I remember, uh, I remember that feeling of having money for the very first time, like it was my own. I could spend it, like I could do what I wanted with this. I had disposable income for the first time in my life. Uh, and of course, uh, my children, of course, our children always advance faster than us, don't they? My children have, have learned to appreciate the value of money a little bit earlier than I did. Um, a couple years ago, my kids decided that they wanted to go to summer camp. And so they wanted to raise money so that they could attend summer camp. And so what they did is they decided that they were going to set up a lemonade stand. And uh, they, they, they set up this lemonade stand. They sold lemonade and cookies for two days straight. And uh, you think to yourself, how much money could kids make on a lemonade stand? My children, I, I, I'm not exaggerating, came home with $600 in cash from this lemonade stand that they ran. I said to them, I said, you need to do this all the time. We need to set this up as a side hustle for our family. They took this money home. They counted it all out. They stacked it all up nice and neat. And then they threw it up into the air and let it rain down on them. And then they started to swim in it like they were Scrooge McDuck. Then we had to have a conversation with them about the value and love of money in our lives. How many of you know that money is something we have an interesting relationship with? Money is something we have an interesting relationship with. Uh, we, we'd love to get more of it. We fret when we are low on it, and we can never quite seem to have enough of it to make us comfortable. And the one thing I think that we can all agree on is that we don't like to talk about money in church. You with me? Oh, see, no reaction, I know. 
We don't like to talk about money in church. And if this is their first time in church today, I want you to know that the church does not preach on money all the time, okay? And of course, you came on the one Sunday that we're talking about money, and whoever brought you is like, really, God? I brought this person to church today, and now you're talking about money. But this is the thing. Here's the thing. God has a lot to say about how we handle our money. God has a lot to say about how we handle our money. And if God talks about it in Scripture, then we need to talk about it in the church. Let me start off by saying this. Uh, We are going to narrow our conversation this morning to the biblical principle of tithing. The biblical principle of tithing. Now, this is not everything that God has to say about money. In fact, God has a lot to say about money, and that can be a whole other series on biblical stewardship, but this morning we're going to focus on what God says about tithing. We're going to read starting in Malachi chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles here this morning, Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 6. And of course, if you've been a part of the church for a while, you know about tithing, you know what tithing is, you might think to yourself, I'm just going to tune out. I already know what he's going to say. I want you to pay attention this morning because I hope that God might, might do something inside your heart and in your spirit and re-energize you towards what God says about money. So Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 6, it says this. It says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have kept them and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven And pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. Amen. Yeah, you can cheer for that. Amen. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Would you pray with me one more time this morning? Heavenly Father, today we just once again want to thank you for the gift that is Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, that we cannot outgive you. And so, Lord, this morning as we approach this delicate subject of what you say about our money, God, we want to acknowledge this morning that everything we have is yours. And God, as you show us in your word what it is that you want to do inside of our hearts, God, I pray that we would be open to what it is that you want to speak to us and how it is that you want to transform our hearts and draw them closer to you. This morning we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, the, first, the first thing I'd like to, uh, you to understand this morning is that tithing is the biblical starting point for financial generosity. Tithing is the biblical starting point 
for financial generosity. Now, if you don't understand what a tithe is, tithe is a tithe very simply means one-tenth. It's one-tenth of one's income uh, from all sources given to support the work of the Lord, typically through the local church. Now, it's important for us to understand uh, at the very beginning that tithing is a thoroughly biblical idea. The scripture we read here in Malachi makes it very clear that tithing is important to God. Tithing is part of the spiritual heritage and practice of the ancient Jewish people. Everyone was to set aside one-tenth of all their resources. In ancient times, it was crops and livestock, and sometimes it was financial resources as well, but it was, it was the resources for livelihood set aside for the work of the Lord as performed by the temple priesthood. Now, some, some will, uh, will, will say, well, Dan, isn't, isn't tithing really an Old Testament idea, right? You're reading from Malachi, and that's in the Old Testament, but I, we don't really hear, hear much about tithing in the New Testament. It's more of a, an Old Testament idea. In fact, it's an Old Covenant idea. Uh, God uh, sent Jesus, and Jesus fulfilled the Old Covenant, the law of Moses, the Mosaic Covenant, and he gave us a new covenant. So isn't that part of the Old Covenant? Well, there's a couple of responses to that. And first, I would say this, is that the practice of tithing was not started by Moses. The practice of tithing was not originally started as part of the Mosaic law. The practice of tithing actually goes all the way back to Abraham. Abraham was the first one in Scripture to give a tithe. He came and he fought against all of these kings who were trying to attack and invade the land, and he defeated them, and he uh, gained all of this plunder and wealth from defeating them. And it says he took a tenth of that and he gave it to the high priest Melchizedek. And many believe Melchizedek was a, was a Christophany or an Old Testament uh, uh, picture of Christ, a, a, an incarnational uh, manifestation of Christ. And Abraham gives this tenth to God to honor him for the victory that God has won in his life. Now, why is that important? Well, in Scripture, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament specifically says that Abraham is the timeless example of what it means to be made right with God. He said it's not about the law or the law of Moses or doing all of these things right. In fact, Abraham existed before the law, and Abraham's faith in God was timeless and universal, and that has always been the way to be right with God through faith in him. And so Abraham then is also the one who gives the tithe. He, so he is the universal, timeless example of faith, and he's the one who says, this is what it means to honor God with what I have. But it's also true that Jesus talks a lot about money as well. And Jesus does, believe it or not, reference tithing. Listen to what Jesus says to the religious leaders in Matthew chapter 22, or sorry, 23, verse 23. He says, to the, the, he says to them this, he says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth, or a tithe, of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. 
So what's Jesus saying here? Well, on the one hand, Jesus is saying there's more to spirituality than simply tithing. There's more to spirituality than simply this external act of, of giving God your finances in tithing. Right? He's saying don't, don't replace inward transformation with outward acts of righteousness. He's saying that. And a lot of times we stop there and say, see, Jesus says that what, what is in your heart is more important than what you give. And that's absolutely true. But listen to how he finishes this statement. He says, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. He's saying, you need to care about what's inside of your heart, but you still need to take care of your obligations before God. So what does this mean? It means that God cares about our hearts the most, but we can't neglect what he's asking us to do. And so tithing is fully biblical. It's affirmed in both the Old Testament and the New Testament as the standard practice for people of faith in God. And you might say, well, Dan, uh, if tithing is so important, then how come there are not more examples in the New Testament of people tithing, of the early church tithing? And I'm, I'm so glad you asked that question. Because Acts chapter 4, verse 32 tells us this about the early church. It says this. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. I could very easily make the argument this morning that the New Testament standard goes far beyond the tithe. We can go there. We could debate this all day, but in the end, at the very least, tithing is the biblical starting point for financial generosity. Starting point. We can argue about what level it should be, but it's not any less than the tithe. If we're going to argue, we can only argue for more. And so tithing is the starting point the biblical starting point. Tithing is, is entry-level generosity in God's economy. If you've ever watched the, uh, the World Series of Poker, right, and you see these individuals all playing poker, right, and they all have their chips, and every round when they play poker, what do they got to do? They've got, all got to put something in the middle in order to be able to play. They call it, they call, you have to ante up, right? Everybody's got to put put their, their minimum amount in before they can play. Now, they can always bet more as the round goes on, but there's a minimum cost to get in the game, right? The minimum cost to get in the game. And tithing is that entry level to participate in financial generosity. It's the entry level for generosity in God's economy. Now, let me be clear about one thing before we go much further. <laughs> tithing is not a means of salvation. It's not a means of salvation. Uh, there is no scripture that says, tithe and you will go to heaven. <laughs> Don't tithe and get ready for eternal damnation. That's not, there's no scripture in the Bible that says that salvation, according to the gospel, still and always will be through faith in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross, right? That's always been the case. So you may hear that this morning and breathe a sigh of relief. Oh, that's good. I can still get into heaven. It's all right. Maybe you're thinking, well, if tithing is not a matter of my eternal soul, well, then maybe it doesn't matter as much. Maybe it shouldn't matter so much to me. And to that, I would ask you this question. Are you looking to live the bare minimum of the Christian life? 
Are you looking to live the bare minimum of the Christian life? And if, if your answer to that is yes, I'm so sad for you. Because God has so much more for us when we align our lives with his principles and with his values. And so tithing is the biblical starting point for financial generosity. I want to emphasize this morning financial generosity. I understand that there are many ways to be generous. We can be generous with our time. We can be generous with our attention, with our love, with our hospitality, with our care for the hurting. The list can go on and on and on about the ways that we can be generous in our lives. And so this morning, we're narrowing our conversation to one very specific area. But I want you to understand tithing is the biblical starting point for financial generosity. The second thing I want you to understand today is that tithing is a demonstration of God's lordship in our lives. Tithing is a demonstration of God's lordship in our lives. Let me say this, and I'm, I'm not trying to be overly provocative when I say this, but I want you to hear me this morning. Tithing is less about generosity and more about the lordship of God in our lives. Let me say that again. Tithing is less about generosity and more about the lordship of God in our lives. What do I mean by that? Well, tithing, tithing by its very nature is meant for us to be reminded of and acknowledge some very specific truths. First of all, it's that God created everything, that God is Lord over everything, that God owns everything, and that everything in my life comes from God. And if that is true, then everything that I possess, God already owns. God already owns it. And so if everything that I possess belongs to God already, then anything that he allows me to have, because it's his already, he's making me a steward of. A tithe is a tangible, physical act that demonstrates to God that I understand his ownership, that I understand that everything I have is his. You may have heard this statement from Jesus. Jesus was asked this question, Jesus, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar. And Jesus says, give, give to Caesar everything that belongs to Caesar and give to God everything that belongs to God. What does he mean by this? Well, he means a lot, but in short, he means when you pay your taxes, how many of you are getting ready to pay your taxes, right? It's coming up, okay. When you pay your taxes, you are acknowledging the authority of the government in your life. When you pay your tithes and you give to God, you're acknowledging the authority of God in your life. You're acknowledging his ownership over everything that you possess. Jesus tells this parable uh, in the Gospels, this parable of the tenants. It's where uh, a master entrusts his servants with his wealth and tells them that they are responsible for investing it until he returns. So from that parable, we understand that, that when God looks at us, he, he, he sees everything we have as something that he's given us to invest for a greater purpose. And so from that, we understand that God, God doesn't just care about 10% of your income. He cares about the whole 100%. So biblical stewardship, and this is a whole other sermon series that I'll let your pastor preach at some point. Biblical stewardship involves seeing all of our resources, financial or not, as gifts from God to use as he directs. 
I love what author Lynn Miller says about this. She says, she says, stewardship is the act of organizing your life so that God can spend you. And so tithing is a mark of ownership. Tithing is a mark of ownership. It's a way of saying to God, everything I have and everything that I am is yours. God, everything I have is yours. And you might say, well, Dan, aren't there other ways to do that? Aren't there other ways of showing God that he's the Lord of my life and that he has ownership in my life? And I would say, absolutely. Of course there are. Of course there's other ways of showing God that he has lordship in your life. But listen, listen to the strength of the language that's coming here from the prophet Malachi as he speaks the word of the Lord. What's he saying? He says, will, will you, a mere mortal, rob God? That's powerful language, isn't it? He's comparing withholding tithes to robbing God. It's robbery, he says. Why? Because everything we have is already God's. And so if he asks for just a little bit of it back or if he asks for more of it back, whenever we say no, we're robbing him because it's his to begin with. That's why I said tithing is less about generosity and more about lordship. It's about giving back to God what he's already given us to begin with. It's declaring his lordship in our lives, his ownership over everything. And so if God sees us then as stewards of his resources, right, everything we have is from him, and all he asks back from us is to give 10%, which is and we get to keep the other 90, which is a pretty sweet deal, by the way, since none of it's ours to begin with. If that's the case, and we can't be trusted to give back to God what he asks us to give him, then what makes us think God will be able to trust us with more of his resources? God makes it so simple for us, too. He could have made it 15%. He could have made it 25. He could have made it whatever number he wanted, but he made it 10%, right? And so for those of you who are not great at math, this is how it works. One decimal point, move it to the left, one spot. That's it. Any of us can do it. It's that simple. It's that easy. And it starts, stewardship starts at the smallest levels, doesn't it? It starts with the small things in our lives. That's why in Jesus' parable, the master says to the faithful steward, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, but I will, be put, I will put you in charge of many things. Right? When we're faithful with the small things, God can entrust us with even more. And tithing begins at the smallest levels. Stewardship begins at the smallest levels. Uh, American industrialist John D. Rockefeller said this. He said, I would never have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed on my first salary, which was a dollar and fifty cents per week. And so tithing then is the biblical starting point for financial generosity. It's a demonstration of the lordship of God in our lives. And thirdly, I'd like you to see this morning that tithing is an act of worship. Tithing is an act of worship. Not only is tithing about lordship, 
which is acknowledging which is which is acknowledging who owns my possessions but tithing is also about worship which is acknowledging who owns my heart are you with me this morning hear me loud and clear this morning god god does not need your money god does not need your money God, he, he owns everything. He created everything. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't want your money. But what he wants is your heart. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. God, God does not want your money. He wants your heart. God is not anti-prosperity or pro-poverty, but he does care about what captures your heart. What's the deepest desires of your heart? And the truth is, is that our hearts are often, are often easily led astray by finding security, power, comfort, and approval through money and possessions. This is why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, he says, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then he says in, in verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So God, God isn't concerned so much about how much money you have as much as he's concerned about how much money has you. You with me today? About how much money has you. Tithing, by its very nature, is meant to kill the idol of money in our hearts. Amen. To, amen. You can clap for that. Amen. <laughs> to bring us to a place where our heart's security, rest, provision, and fulfillment come from God and not from material things. And so tithing is an act of worship. And in the Old Testament, it's connected to this, this idea of giving God the first fruits of your harvest. In ancient times, the, the people of Israel, they would, when they would gather their harvest in, they would, they would take that tithe and they would give God the very best, the first fruits of their harvest. They'd dedicate that to the Lord and say, God, this, this is yours. How many of you know that God wants the first fruits of our labor, not just the leftovers? Not just the leftovers. Maybe some of you here like eating leftovers. I don't like leftovers. I'm not a leftovers kind of guy. <laughs> Maybe you like eating leftovers. But when guests come over to your house, is the first thing you pull out for them last week's old burrito? Is that what you do? We don't give our guests leftovers. God doesn't want your leftovers. He wants your first fruits. He wants your very best. It's an act of Worship. Why? Because God doesn't want your money, but he does want your heart. John Wesley says this. He said, money never stays with me. It would burn me if it did. I throw it out of my hands as soon as possible, lest it should find its way into my heart. Billy Graham said this. He said, a checkbook is a theological document. It will tell you who and what you worship. And so tithing is an act of worship. It says to God, what I have does not have me. You do. My heart is yours. And so tithing is an act of worship. Next, I want you to notice uh, today that tithing 
requires real faith. Tithing requires real faith. How many of you know that that faith is not a, a blind idea or a wishful hope? Real faith is active and is meant to be tangibly demonstrated. And so tithing requires real faith because it takes something that's very valuable to us, that which sustains our livelihood and keeps us alive, and it's what we need to survive and function in this world, and we have to give some of that back to God and say, God, I trust you with my livelihood. It says, God, I I trust you to provide for me. I trust you so much that I'm willing to give you back a significant portion of what you have already given to me. And so tithing is faith-filled dependence demonstrated through obedience. I know that was a mouthful this morning. Let me say that again. Tithing is faith-filled dependence demonstrated through obedience. And this is not just when times are good. How many of you know it's easy to to give and to be generous when times are good, when things are going well, when when everything is going our way and, and we've got some extra to spare? But true faith, true faith is demonstrated in difficult times, in times of desperation, in times of scarcity. Tithing says, God, I trust you, I trust you to do more with my 90% that you let me keep than with 100% on my own. And here's the thing that God tells us about tithing. This is is what I love about uh, this passage. Tithing, God says, is testable. It's testable. Now, uh, there are many places in Scripture that warn us not to test God. In fact, when Satan tempts Jesus in the desert, and Jesus says to him, he says, he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test, right? There are many places in Scripture where we're just, we're not meant to test God in that area. But, but in this area, God says this to us. He says, I dare you to test me. I dare you to, t-. listen to what he says, verse 10. He says, test me in this And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Test me in this and just see how I take care of your needs. L.G. Cherno says this. He says, I shovel it out and God shovels it back. But God has a much bigger shovel. Isn't that awesome? God has a much bigger show. How many of you know you cannot outgive God? You can't, let me say that. You cannot outgive God. You can't do it. You can't outgive God. Martin Luther writes this. He says, I have held many things in my hands, and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. You might say, well, Dan, I have been tithing faithfully. And I just want to let you know that I have not been made wealthy yet. In fact, I still experience many financial challenges. And that may be true. But I will tell you this morning that God, you cannot outgive him. 
You cannot outgive him. And maybe what God wants to shovel back into your life is something better than financial prosperity. My wife and her family grew up in the inner city of Pittsburgh. Um, and they grew up uh, very poor. Her father worked very hard. He would work late hours, would work overtime, trying to send his kids to a private Christian school so they could have a good education. But to do that, they had to live in very meager conditions. I remember visiting her house when I first met her in college. I went to visit her school. I was afraid to drive through her neighborhood. That's the lifestyle that she grew up in. But her parents were always faithful in giving. They were always faithful in tithing. And this was the prayer that they always prayed over their family. They said, God, we want to be faithful to you in what we give you and what you've asked us to give you. But God, if there is any way that is in your heart to bless our family financially, we ask that instead you would bless us spiritually. What an incredible prayer. God, God, instead of you shoveling back to me more finances and more money and more wealth and more things, God, would you shovel that back to me in spiritual wealth? What an incredible prayer. Maybe, maybe what it is that God wants to give you is something better. Something better. We cannot outgive God. God always gives us back more than we could ever give him. And the truth is, he already has. But you don't have to take my word for it. God says, God says, I dare you to test me. I dare you to put your finances in my hands and see what I can do in your life when you surrender to me. And so tithing requires real faith. The final thought I have for you this morning is this, is that tithing is the discipline of turning our mindset, or turning our hearts towards an eternal mindset. Tithing is the discipline of turning our hearts toward an eternal mindset. Jesus says, store your treasures in heaven. Store your treasures in heaven. Why? Why does he say that? He says that because, because physical treasures on this earth, they're temporary, they're fleeting, they're fragile. You can't take them with you in the end. They're not going to last. Earthly treasures rot, they rust, they break, they decay, they go bad without fail. But what we invest in eternity, that lasts forever. No one, no one on their deathbed says, oh, I wish I had made more money in my life. No one on their deathbed says, oh, I wish I had kept more of that money instead of giving it away. And so tithing is a spiritual discipline meant to change the loves of our heart towards eternal things. The, it's a spiritual discipline with the intent of reorienting our hearts toward things that will last forever. And tithing is also God's way of funding the work of the local church. How many of you know that the work of the local church is an eternal work? Yes, 
It's an eternal work. It's not about this building or about the lights or the great cafe or all the kids' ministry space. All that's great stuff. That's a tool. But the work of this church is an eternal work. It's a work in the hearts and lives of people that will affect forever. The local church is God's plan for reaching the world. So Jesus said this to Peter. He said, Peter, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The local church is God's plan for reaching the world. And this church here in Baldwinsville, New York, this church and this pastoral staff and leadership team are supported by the faithful and sacrificial giving of Christ followers. There is no... Amen. You can clap for that. Amen. There's, there's no hidden endowment. There's no secret investment fund that's going to keep this church going for 200 years, whether people come or not. Church is supported by the faithful and sacrificial giving of Christ's followers. Of course, it's easy for us to, to look at other people, right, and to think, well, they probably should give more than me. I see what kind of car they drive. <laughs> I, I, I know what kind of job that person has. That person should be really supporting the church. First of all, let me just say this. God, God doesn't ask us to compare ourselves to anybody else. He says, look at yourself. This is what I've given you. What are you going to do with it? And secondly, and this is God's honest truth, in, in all my years of ministry, I have never been in a church with a tithing and attending millionaire. I've never been to one. I've never been to one. I'm not saying they don't exist. I pray all of our churches in New York would have a tithing and attending millionaire, Lord. But listen, listen. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because the work of God is moved forward by the faithful giving, the faithful stewardship of ordinary people who have submitted themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in their lives. Whose hearts are not owned by their money, but owned by God whose faith and trust and dependence are in the provision of God and not in themselves. This is, this is what God looks for, and this is what God honors. Remember, remember the story of Jesus and the widow with two mites? She comes, he's more impressed with this poor, poor widow who gives two cents than all of the wealthy who give out of their abundance. This is what God honors. And he can take that little that we give and he can do more with it than we could ever dream. When I was a staff pastor, I was an executive pastor at a church in Niagara Falls, and I, it was my job to oversee the finances and send out the giving statements at the end of the year. I was the only pastoral staff member that actually knew what everybody gave in the church. Nobody, none of the other pastoral staff needed or wanted to know. Like, we wanted to treat everybody the same, and that's a good thing. But it was my job to send out those giving statements, so I actually got to read them. And you know, it was an incredible learning experience. So many people who seemed like they were big shots, seemed like they were influential, seemed like they had a strong voice in what the church should be and where it should go. You'd see their giving statement and you could tell that they were not tithing. Their treasure and their hearts in different places. And then I would see the giving records of people who I knew, who I knew 
were struggling, who I knew were walking through incredibly difficult circumstances in their life, financial challenges and difficulties, and yet they were faithful in giving. I think of this one woman who came to the church. She, she lived in downtown Niagara Falls. She did not have a car, and she took the bus early, early in the morning so that she could get to church before everybody else and so that she could serve the entire Sunday morning. And then she would get back on the bus at the end of service and she would go back home. And I looked at her giving statement one year and I wept because she gave so generously. She could have bought a car every year with what she gave to the church. But she says, God, God, my money doesn't own me, God. You do. You do. The work of God is not funded by the wealthy, but by the faithful stewardship of ordinary people who submit themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in their lives, by people whose hearts are invested in changing eternity. Would you bow your heads with me today? And as we close this morning, I want you to just simply ask this question in your own heart. Ask yourself, is my heart fully submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in my life? Is my heart fully submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in my life? And does that submission include my finances? Does that submission include my finances or has, or has money become an idol in my life? Do I spend time worrying about it? Do I spend time thinking about my next big purchase? Do I, do I spend time thinking about how to keep up with people around me? Or do I, do I trust that my security, provision, and approval and wholeness only come from Jesus Christ and from Him owning my heart? If you find this morning that God is revealing some misplaced idols in your heart today, then I want to challenge you to begin testing God by trusting Him with your money. Now maybe, maybe you're here today and you say, Dan, that's, a big, that's too big of a step for me. That's too scary. I'm, I'm afraid. I want you to know that, that you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God, but I also want you to know that God is faithful and He is patient with you. Maybe today you just need to dip your toe into the water. Maybe today you just need to start by giving 1% or 2% or 3%. Be giving with a small percentage. Just begin to dip your toe into the water. I'm telling you, God is faithful and He's going to begin to show up in your life. But begin to test God and see what He would do in your life. Ultimately, isn't it true for those of us who understand the gospel of Jesus Christ that it's a very simple thing for us to give? Why? Because God has already given us His very best in Jesus Christ. God has already given us His very best in Jesus Christ. He broke through our sin and our rebellion and our rejection of Him by giving us His one and only Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins so that we could be made right with God the Father. We cannot outgive God. God always gives us back more than we could ever give Him. In fact, He already 
has. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, today, we thank you once again for the gift that is Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that we cannot outgive you. And God, we acknowledge today your lordship in our lives. God, today we choose to acknowledge that everything we have is from you. It's all from you. It's all from you. And so God, I pray that you would help each one here, Lord, to surrender themselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And God, do it, we pray, in our finances. God, I pray that you would help us to surrender. Help us not to hold on to anything that is already yours. Help us not to hold on to anything that's going to rust, rot, decay, and fade because it won't last and we can't take it with us and it won't affect eternity. God, help us to put it back in your hands and to allow you to do with it what we could never do on our own. God, give us real faith. God, give us the faith to declare to you that everything we have is yours and that our heart is yours as well. We surrender to you today, God. And we thank you, God, for the gift of Jesus Christ. God, if you gave us nothing else in this world but Jesus, that would be enough. And so, God, we thank you. May we worship you in faithful obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. The host team is going to come now and give you some next steps. Thank you.